Good evening. It is uh, great to see all of you here in 2018. Happy New Year. I hope you had a great time over the holidays and were encouraged and had a good time with family, friends, and all that. I always interesting how this side always seems to be further back than the other side, but uh, I don't know what that is. But um, anyways, uh, I'm Joe Collins, and I am grateful to be here in 2018 with you, and I hope you're grateful to be here uh, as well. I do want to say that Marty and Kathy, I'm going to miss you. My wife and I are going to miss you guys a ton. I felt like I just got to know you. I didn't get a chance to fight things out or argue with you or get into an argument or have any blow up. But uh, I wish we did because we would have been great friends afterwards. I know that. But Kathy and I got to do that and we got to be pretty good friends. <laughs> That's true. So anyways, but no, but Kathy, it is, you are a gem. And what I love about Kathy is that you do fight things out. And that is uh, something I really appreciate about you and admired. And of course, Marty, I've always looked up to you my entire Christian life, thought of you as one of the best preachers I know, and I was so grateful to get the time with you that we got, and I'm sorry that it's short, but I know going to Louisiana is the right thing. It's greener pastures for you guys and a chance to be with the kids, and so, uh, you know, we wish you Godspeed on your journey, and hopefully we'll see you back from time to time and uh, uh, enjoy, uh, um, be able to still enjoy our friendship from time to time, but we will miss you. Uh, thank you for being a part of our lives. So uh, I'm going to do something a little different tonight with the, uh, the service. I'm going to encourage a little bit of audience participation. So you don't have to get up, you don't have to run around in circles or anything like that, but I'm going to ask a couple of different questions, and I want to ask that, you, you know, if you're willing, to be willing to stand up and, 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 or from your seat and just answer the question, because I think it's really going to help us kind of connect to the message and have more of a dialogue and less of a monologue where I'm just talking to you. Amen? Okay, so with that being said, New Year's are always times where people make New Year's resolutions, yes? And I'm sure that there are some in this room that have made New Year's resolutions. And in just a minute, I want to ask you, just wherever you are, raise your hand and shout out one of your New Year's resolutions if you'd be willing. For me, one of the New Year's resolutions I'm doing, my wife and I agreed on, is we're going to spend more time praying together as a couple. That was just one resolution we decided to make. How about you? Yes, right there. Yes. Your New Year's resolution is to make $1,000. Wow. Okay. I should have thought of that one. Yes. Someone else. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. A relationship with God that doesn't, so that you don't have to emotionally overeat to compensate. Great. One more. One or two more. Way in the back. Really loud. To learn to play the guitar. To learn to play the guitar. <laughs> We are going to be skinny, rich, and healthy, and guitarists in the new year. That's going to be awesome. Yes. Someone was right here. Yes. Mike. Less gossip. Wow. It's not, it's not no gossip. It's less gossip. You're managing the expectation. I really, really appreciate that. 
You know, uh, it is a good time to make resolutions, and many do, and you know, some don't, and that's okay. But it's also a good time where, where we as a collective, as a church family, we can make a resolution together. And truth is, beginning sometime last year, around the middle of last year, we began talking about mission love. And in many ways, mission love is sort of like a New Year's resolution for our family of churches. But what is mission love? For the month of January, Gio and I are going to teach on Sundays, and our series is called Mission Love. And, and I want to start off by, by, by uh, describing what mission love isn't. Mission love is not a cool title for a series in January. Mission love is not even a theme for the new year. It's not a church program. We're not going to be opening up a, a, a homeless shelter or a food pantry or something like that. I'm not saying that's wrong. or we might, not, we might even do something like that. I'm not saying we won't. But that's not what Mission Love is. So what is Mission Love? Well, I hope for our family of churches, Mission Love is a resolution. I don't think we need another program. I don't think we need another series. I think we need to be resolved to love and live like Jesus. So where do we start? Well, turn with me to Luke chapter 11. I got the slides on the screen, the text on the screen in case. And before we begin, let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning, or this evening... Thank you for bringing us together, and I pray for your spirit to be with us as we come to you in, in uh, uh, humility, sitting before your feet and before your teaching, and I pray that we will absorb what we can from the scriptures and walk out of here different, resolved, taking a step closer to fulfilling mission love in our lives and in the lives of people around us. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Mark, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 11. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation." Where, are, you know, where do we begin with mission love? We begin with prayer. In Luke chapter 11, all the way through verse 13, Jesus gives a pretty extensive teaching on prayer. Prayer was a characteristic trait of Jesus. The same is true of anyone who wants to love and live like Jesus. If we're going to be like him, we're going to have to pray like him because prayer is something he did often and he did well and it was clearly characteristic to his life. And so mission love begins and ends and has everything in between with prayer. Of all the resolutions that you may make this year and maybe you're taking a break from resolutions, which I've done that too, the one that I'm going to ask you not to forget about, the one that I'm going to ask you not to, not to ignore, is prayer. 
It's, it's never enough. There's never too much of it. We can always do more. And so let's be resolved to pray. You know, for me, prayer used to be easy years ago. Now, I don't know about you, and we're all different, but I don't know what it was, but when I was younger, it just seemed to be easier. I, I remember having, going up on regular, regular times, up onto a mountaintop, or in my, in my locked room, or with friends, or all-nighters, and prayer just seemed to be something we did a lot, and it just seemed to come easy. But, but time has gone on, and for whatever reason, prayer has gotten to be more difficult. I don't know where you're at right now in your prayer life, but I venture to guess that a number of us feel that, that same challenge, that prayer seems to be difficult. It doesn't seem to be as easy. Let me ask you a question, and you can just blurt out where you are, you know, raise your hand, I'll call on you. But what, what is making prayer so difficult for you? Yes. Distraction makes prayer hard. What else? Yeah. Priority. Priority. It's not a priority. What else? It takes energy. You don't always want to do. Yes. Self-reliance. Rather pray, I'd rather do things myself than, than go to God with it. Yes. Disappointment. Disappointment. I think everybody can relate to that, yeah? Hard heart. You do. You get, you get sort of locked up in your heart. And it gets in the way. And prayer goes from something that maybe at some point in your life was really easy to do to something that, for whatever reason, is it's difficult to do. I mean, somebody, I've heard people say this, and I believe it to be true, that one of the things Satan opposes us mostly is when we try to pray. It just always seems like everything else gets in the way. And, and I really believe that, that Satan is out there actively trying to interrupt us and keep us from praying. I wonder if the disciples, when they asked him, hey, teach us to pray, I wonder if they were struggling with some of the same stuff. I don't know, but I'm glad that they asked the question. So in response, Jesus gives us what we call the Lord's Prayer. But when you look at the Lord's Prayer, it's actually a very simple template for prayer. Now, I'm not down on any deep theological study of the Lord's Prayer. I think that's great. I've done some of that myself, and I think that's awesome. And I think there's a lot to be learned if we get into the Lord's Prayer. You go word by word and study it all out, and it's, it's going to be all that more amazing. But, but the truth is, in, Jesus, in this scenario, in this scene, in this setting, Jesus was not getting into a deep theological lesson on prayer. He was just giving us a how-to on how to pray. And his how-to was, exact, was very brief. Isn't that good to know that you don't have to pray for hours to have a good prayer? It's okay to be brief. His how-to was also very specific. He had a very clear one, two, three plan for prayer. It was specific, easy to remember. And here's the most important thing, and the thing that I like the most about the, the Lord's Prayer. It's repeatable. It's easy to, to replicate over and over and over again. 
Now, we're not saying that we want to repeat the Lord's Prayer and that's all we do verbatim, but the template is brief, it's specific, and it's repeatable. And that's the power of the Lord's Prayer. It can be replicated. He starts off by honoring God. Hallowed be your name. He gives God his due. And then he goes right into the requests. Give us each day our daily bread. It's okay to, to ask God for what you, what, you, what you feel like you need. What you feel like you lack. I think sometimes we, we think that if we pray a certain way, uh, that we might be too selfish if we, we pray too much about ourselves. I've heard people teach that. And in my study of prayer, I've realized I don't think that's true at all. I think God loves to hear what we, what, what's going on. He wants to know. Besides, let's be honest, He already knows. So trying to pretend like you're somehow more holy than you really are actually probably hinders your prayer more than just being gut-level honest. Isn't it nice to know that God will take your requests? Just give them up. No pretense. And he asks for forgiveness. Honor God, make your request, ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness for yourself, for others. Wouldn't it be amazing if in 2018 we all prayed regularly for each other? I don't know about you, but I could use a lot of prayers for forgiveness. It's always nice to know that there's people out there praying to forgive me of my sin and to keep me safe and to keep me out of trouble and me doing the same for you. Imagine what that would do to us on a spiritual level, in the spiritual plane. Imagine the power and the effectiveness that that would have in our lives, the things that would change if we were praying for our our forgiveness and for the forgiveness of each other. Brief, specific, repeatable. That's the point. Don't overcomplicate it. Just do it. I really believe that. I really believe that this was a, this interaction was sort of in passing. It wasn't like he sat down and got the synagogue together and got everybody together and did any, he just, it was in passing and he fired out something that was so routine, so easy, so simple in its, in its overview that people could do it. And that's, I think, the point. The point of it is to do it. We can talk about prayer. We can study about prayer. We can try to make the perfect prayer, but nothing is, is better than just praying. There's no substitute for that. So let's be a people who pray. Now, fortunately for us, Jesus doesn't just stop here, and this is it on prayer. He actually goes on, and he tells a couple of interesting little stories. The first one is in verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, 
he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So Jesus tells this story about a man who has an unexpected visitor in the middle of the night. That was unusual in those days. He didn't travel at night. It's, not, it's still like that today. People don't generally travel at night. <clears throat> but it wasn't, especially then, it wasn't very safe. But this unexpected visitor showed up, and, and especially in these small communities, hospitality was of, of, a, of a high expectation. It was how people took care of each other. Without hospitality, the world was a rough place already. Without hospitality, it was very rough. And so entire villages took hospitality very seriously. And if you weren't hospitable to a, a, a guest who was traveling, shame on you. But that also was shame on the village. And so the, 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 the man has this friend showing up in the middle of the night. He's got to provide something for him. He's so uncomfortable that he can't provide that he runs over to his neighbor's house and starts banging on his door in the middle of the night, waking him up and asking him for bread so he can give it to his friend who showed up in the middle of the night. Many years ago, back in the days of answering machines, for those of you that don't know, an answering machine was a little box that sat next to your phone. You plugged it in. And it had a little cassette tape. I don't have time to explain that. Just go with that. <laughs> but there was this little cassette tape in there. And when your phone rang, the answer machine answered your phone. And the person could leave a message on the answer machine. It was prehistoric days. It was, I mean, this was early days of voicemail. And so when you came home at night, you would check your answering machine. And there'd be a flashing red light. It meant you got a message. So one day I came home after a long day at work. I was tired. I was out, I think, late with some friends. And I came home. And I was just one of those days, and I'm sure you've had this, where you just, your bed just looks so good. You ever have that moment where you're just like, this is going to feel so good when I get into this bed. And I was in there. And in the hallway down to my room, I was telling myself, don't look at the answering machine. Don't look at the answering machine. And of course, I get in my room and I look at the answer machine and it's blinking. And I tell myself, don't push the button. Don't push the button. It's going to be someone and they're going to want something. I get in the bed and I just, whatever, I can't over, I, I push the button and it's a friend. This is like midnight. And he's being evicted that very moment. And he's going to lose all his possessions and he needs someone to show up and help him move. Oh. Oh. I can tell you 100% confidently that I did not get up to go help him move because he was a friend. But I did get up because he was in need. And that was really the only reason. And two hours later at 3 a.m., I'm lugging a refrigerator down a tiny flight of stairs thinking to myself, I'm doing this because he's in need, not because I like him right now. <laughs> Here's the point. Some of us forget how needy we really are. You know, if we realized how needy we really are, if we saw ourselves the way God sees us, we would be praying all the time. 
unbroken stream of consciousness prayer 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Because we all have needs. We are all on the verge of eviction. At any given point in time in our lives, spiritually speaking, figuratively speaking, I love what Jesus says here. He says, because of your shameless audacity. Now, what a phrase. I didn't even know that was in the Bible. Shameless audacity. I tend to think of that as a negative. I tend to think of that as like sin. But Jesus is saying, no, I want you, I want to hear your prayers. In fact, uh, bring them to me. The more shameless and the more audacious, the better. There is no prayer that is too big for God. There is no prayer that is too small for God. There is no time that is too early for God. There is no time that is too late for God. Shameless audacity is encouraged. When was the last time you prayed shamelessly, boldly, Gut level, honest, poured it out and begged for God's help, whatever He was willing to give you at whatever time of day. Have we gotten so comfortable that we think we're okay? That we think we don't need prayer? I may not want to be inconvenienced in the middle of the night. But God loves it. I may not want to get up and help someone out of friendship. But God, He always wants to help us. Especially when we're in need. Never stop asking God for help. No matter how shameless, no matter how embarrassing, no matter how audacious or bold, no matter how trivial, no matter the hour, pray. Make it a characteristic of your life. Make it a quality that describes you in 2018. Jesus goes on in verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. We just stepped into some troubled water here. We're now into deep water. This is the one moment in this teaching, I think, where Jesus went deep on us. And he gave us a very troubling passage. We like to say it. It feels good to say but it's a problem. It's a problem for me. <laughs> because I've asked. And I've not received. I've knocked. And I've not found. Or searched and not found. I've knocked and the door wasn't open. There are times where I don't get any answer to my prayer. What do you do then? 
Let me ask you a question, if you'd be so willing to be vulnerable. What do you tell yourself when it feels like your prayers aren't working? You look, James, to see if there's anything yeah. selfish in your heart. Yeah. So sometimes you say, well, maybe he answered it, but, but I, it's not yet. Uh, am, I am I being punished? Marty, I saw your hand go. Uh, sometimes why bother? Why bother? Go our separate ways, yeah. I start to wonder, I'll be on the same page. Don't you want to be present too? Yeah, I get all like, hey. Yeah, Where, where's the disconnect here, God? What's going on? Yeah, way in the back. So you tell yourself, oh, maybe God's got a different idea here. Okay, what can I learn? Yes. You just, you just understand that it's not yours to know. Okay. Kathy. We don't always know, but he answers. We just don't always know. Uh, one more. Tim. <clears throat> I think, why does God even bother to me? Why does God even bother to me? You know, I, I, I don't know about... Oh, Rita, one more. Rita had her hand up last. It's not my home. Don't always get what I want, but... Yeah, not what I get. Not, I don't always get what I want, but this is not my home anyways. You know, I appreciate everybody being open and vulnerable. It's a hard thing. I, uh, you know, I think, I think we fall into two general categories. My wife and I had this conversation, and I said to her, well, what do you tell yourself when God doesn't answer your prayer? And she said, uh, oh, it's just not time. And in my head, I'm thinking, gosh, I'm like, God hates me. He doesn't, he's getting me back. This is what I deserve. Like, I go down that road. And, and maybe we've done a little bit of both. Maybe you lean one way or the other. The problem is, no matter what you tell yourself, it all falls short at some point. It just does. It all falls short at some point. You know why? Because there's no simple answer. There's no way to know the answer and what, to, to what God does and why. We, can want, we want to put the world in, in order. We want to put God in a box and make him work a certain way where we spin the handle and everything goes the way it goes. But the fact of the matter is that's not how it works. Proverbs talks a lot about this. Ecclesiastes talks a lot about this. I've seen a, a good man die young and an evil man live to old age. What is that, God? That's not what you say. That's not how it's supposed to go. We don't always know the answer. We can't figure it out. Remember the movie Shakespeare in Love? I just dated myself again. Old movie. Wow, I not only dated myself, but my, 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 it was an Oscar winner. Wow, nobody saw it. Anyways, there was a great character in there, and every time something happened, they'd be like, what are we going to do? And he'd go, I don't know. It's a mystery. And that's how it is with prayer. It's a mystery. It's a mystery to us. It's not to God. 
but it's a mystery to us. What does God do with our prayers? How does he respond to them? What happens as a result? I don't know. It's a mystery. So what should we tell ourselves? I want you to listen to this. Come on, you got to sing along. I can't hit that note. Don't stop believing. That's what you tell yourself. You put your prayer before God and you knock like he's going to open the door. You search like you're going to find. You ask like you're going to receive. You keep going to God. What is he going to do on his end? I don't know. How does it all work? I don't know. Maybe he's already answered it. You'll find out later. Maybe there's some other circumstance going on. Maybe somebody else is praying the exact opposite prayer of you. That seems to always happen. There's more SC fans than UCLA fans. And they're always praying for SC to win. And UCLA always loses. And I'm always mad about it. I don't know. But one thing I can tell you, and the thing I got to tell myself, is don't stop believing. That's what we tell ourselves. Tennyson wrote a poem, The Charge of the Light Brigade. Very famous poem. And there's a line in there where he says, Ours is not to reason why. Ours is to but do and die. Well, I say, ours is not to reason why. Ours is to pray until we die. That is the answer. We pray until we die. That's what Jesus is telling us. Knock, ask, search. It doesn't stop with the answer. It's an ongoing thing we do all the time. Don't stop praying. Jesus closes with this. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So Jesus tells this story about a father who isn't perfect. But he says, look, even an earthly father, an imperfect human father, knows how to give what is good to his children. Message received. If you hear nothing else from tonight's message, I want you to hear this. God is good. You see, because that's kind of what it boils down to. When we get burnt, we get hurt, we get disappointed, we start to question whether God is really good. And Jesus, at the end of this whole long thing on prayer, says, never forget this one last thing, guys. God is good. And in the context of prayer, he, I think he's sort of adding this last point. And good things happen when we pray. It may not be what you pray for. It may not be the thing you're asking for. But trust me, good things happen when you pray.
You see, prayer is the end. It is the goal. It is an end in of itself. We pray because we pray. Because God is good. And when we pray, good things always happen. So 2018, mission love. It's our mission. It's a resolution. It's not a church plan or a program or some new idea. It is a resolution. It is a, it is a, it is a resolution to love and to live like Jesus, every last one of us. And prayer is the path. We need to walk it together. I'm going to close by asking you to stand. Just hold hands. You don't need to go across the aisle. Or you can if you want. Uh, let's go across the aisle. Let's just hold hands. And just to get 2018 started off on the right foot, let's close by saying the Lord's Prayer <laughs> together. So you can repeat after me. I'll go first. We'll close out by saying the Lord's Prayer together. Father, Father hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.